real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today has a loyal following in the podcasting space. After selling his first podcast, he launched the Podcast on Podcasting, which is ranked as a top show for podcasters. He is also the founder of GrowYourShow.com, which helps you get your message out to the world. Welcome to the show, Adam Adams. What's up? I feel like because you had such a good intro, I feel like we need to do the clapping sound. Oh, it sounded so good. It, it made me think that I was on stage. Which, by the way, for the people listening to this, I had just been, we did back-to-back podcast swap. I was just on his show. And so definitely check that out. I'll include that link in the show notes. So you're known as Triple A. I'm curious, what is the middle name then? Adam Abel Adams. Adam Abel Adams. It can be very challenging. Can I tell you a quick story about it? Oh, sure. Do you mind? Oh, sh- I no, I live in this colony, literally in the middle oh, wow. of nowhere in Utah. And uh, my name, I think my given name was Abel. But as soon as my mom left, she's like, ah, this isn't the life I want anymore. So she left. She stopped calling me Abel and started calling me Adam because she just liked it better. And I never got a birth certificate because I was born in my house. And when you're born in your house and on a polygamous colony, they don't think that they... They don't know that you're going to go out into the world one day. So I never had that. And it was, I was four years old. And I remember distinctly my mom coming up to me because her maiden name is Adams. And she started calling me Adam. And I don't think the two and two ever got put together. And so here I am four. And she goes, hey, Adam, do you mind if your name is Adam Adams? And I'm like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> and so she she named me officially on the birth certificate when I was four years old. I finally got my my name and she put my old first name as my middle name. So it's weird, but it's my real name. It's literally on my birth certificate, but it's just we got a, a strange way of getting there. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I love that story. And it, it's easy to remember your name that way. So it kind of makes you stand yeah. out. <laughs> I've never forgotten it myself. Well, can you give us a little bit of your background or in history? I mean, beyond your birth story, but like as far as getting an entrepreneurship, I know that you were in real estate and maybe you still have that as well. And now you're yeah. into the podcasting space. So today I have about 280 rental units. I'm passively invested in other people's, like as if I would buy stock in Coca-Cola or Pepsi. I'm a passive investor in another 600, but today I'm my, my name on the general partnership where we actually run the deals. I've got just two houses to that I have two rental houses and then a couple of, of apartment buildings and they're just bigger apartment buildings that we syndicate it. If we go way back, how did I get into entrepreneurship and everything? It's because my stepdad, that, I mean, this is the main thing that made me get into entrepreneurship. So first and foremost, my stepdad, Growing up with him, he owned a, a, a tree farm that I would water the plants for a, a buck an hour, one dollar per hour, literally. But I would I would water plants, hand water them, and we had a huge tree farm. So this would take hours out of the day. This is how I learned how to be an entrepreneur because my dad had that. He also had he had a landscaping business. Sometimes he would use the trees from the nursery to plant in people's houses for the landscaping business. 
And so these were the two, we had literally two, they were two separate companies and they did different things and they had different LLCs and they kind of supported each other in a way and they were kind of in line with each other, but he had these two businesses and employees in both sides that would run a manager that would run the whole tree farm, the nursery, and then he and his foreman would do the landscaping stuff. And so I grew up with him and he would always tell me stuff like, Adam, save 10%. Adam, invest 10%. Adam, you got to do real estate because it does this and this and this. Adam, uh, it's just over and over. And, and I thought it was awesome at the time that, that this guy that wasn't even my biological dad wanted to pour so much into me. I loved what I learned about that. And he also was a real estate investor. So he had apartments, he had multifamily, single family, condos. He had just straight up land, cabin lots. And he had self-storage units and a fourplex and stuff like this. And, the, and as I was growing up, he always told me that I needed to do some real estate. And so this is like my insight to it. My dad's basically told me, you got to have a business and you got to have investments. And I read this book way after my dad wanted me to read it. He told me in 1997, and I think that's when the book came out. I think that's when the book came out. There was a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. My, my stepdad was like, you've got to read this. Like, this is gold. This is what I'm doing, he says. This is everything that I'm doing, and I want to pour into you because I love you. And, and it took me until 2007 to finally read that. My first real estate investment was 2005, and when I sold it in 2007, I made a ton of money. Like, it was insane. It was the same amount of money that if I would have graduated college and done the thing that I was graduating in, that I would have made in nine or 10 months of work. That's how much I made on this one deal doing nothing. And so I said, wow, my stepdad's smart. He's like, brilliant. I have to read this book. I'm dyslexic and ADD. The last thing I want to do is sit down in front of a book. Absolutely, that's horrible. But I had made all this money with my first real estate transaction after selling it two years later that I said, I'm, I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to read that book. So I started managing other people's property. I read the book. I learned basically Robert says you, there's these four quadrants. This is important for your listeners, four quadrants. There's the E for employed. There's the S for self-employed. Then there's the B for business that you own that doesn't run you. You run it. I mean, basically the business runs itself. And then there's the I quadrant. There's these four different letters. The I for investor. And when you are an employee of somebody else, we talk, he talks about in that book, that when you're an employee of somebody else, you pay a lot more in taxes. You have to work a lot more. The, the owner gets all the money from your fruits because they say that an employee is supposed to be worth six times their pay. And so if you're worth six times your pay and you're working for somebody else, then you're basically working your A off, but not getting all the money that you might be entitled to. And then, so we moved to the S quadrant. And a lot of people say out loud, they say, man, I am making so much money or I'm so excited. Here's the, here's the thing they say, I own a business. I, they'll, they might go, I own my own landscaping company. I own my own podcast agency. I own my own bookstore. But what ends up happening is that person at that bookstore ends up having to work 70 hours a week 
and they're making less than minimum wage, but they quote own their own business and they're like the only employee, or maybe they have like four other employees or something. So that is the S quadrant. It's better than the E quadrant, but sometimes you work really hard. So Robert and my dad basically taught me that you should try to move into these other two, the B, meaning you have a company, but you don't really have to work in it. You don't have to do anything in that company to make it run. And so you have a business and all of the employees and the managers and the staffing, they run the business itself. And that's where I've always strived to be. When I was 2007, when I finally read that book, I started my first business. I still worked hard. I still worked very, very hard. I probably worked nine hours a day, six days a week, which I don't know, what is, what's nine times six, 50 something hours, 54 hours. I was probably working 50 to 60 hours a week. And, but I did have 13 employees and my own, my only job was to go in and do the bids. So I would, I would go measure things and then I would, I would leave the house and then I would figure out how much it's going to cost for us to do it. And then the employees would be running two or three jobs at a time. What was cool is we basically charged $35 to $65 per hour, which is not a ton, but our our billable, what we were billing was $35 an hour for some like plumbing things, $65 an hour for some other things. And I was paying my guys between, this is a long time ago, I was paying them between $10 an hour and $17.50 an hour. The $17.50 was a lot of money back then, and $10 an hour is a normal amount of money. And so I would make like 20, I would net like 20,000 a month just off of their work because there's 13 employees and I'm making like 40 bucks an hour per employee. And so I, I was raking in the dough in college and I loved it. And then the crash happened. We can talk about that if you want to, but that was my first business. I was still had to work. I had to still work, but I kind of grew through there. And today I just have a podcast agency and I'm trying, I'm trying my best to work four hours a week and many weeks it works. Many weeks I can do that, but at most I got to work 15 hours in a week and the income is really, really high. It's been remarkable and just a huge blessing to be able to work four hours a week and make, you know, 20 grand a month or something, you know, net. So how did you get into the podcasting space? Well, I think you mentioned it a little bit kind of when you were doing the intro. I sold a podcast. It was that the first podcast that I ended up selling like three years ago today. I ended up selling that because it just wasn't fitting with everything that I wanted. I kind of wasn't intentional enough when I launched the podcast, but it was a great show. And I had a strong following. I just didn't want to, I didn't think that it really honestly benefited my business. And I felt bad just like quitting it. But I got into the podcast a couple years before that. So back in 2016 is when I started podcasting. So not a long time ago, but I launched a podcast in real estate and I was in these masterminds. There's these, there's these like groups of people that you pay like 22,000 a year to just be with other entrepreneurs. And I was, I was in one of these masterminds, still in the same one, actually. I've been there for like four years. I was in this mastermind thinking, man, I don't want to like get rid of this. So what should I do? And they basically said, well, well, I would buy that from you. And so I got like three offers, three, four offers, three of them above 50 grand. The highest is only 60 grand. But I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, that's pretty neat. Like, 
I can give this to somebody else. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to quit it, but it also has some type of tangible value. And around that time that I was selling it, I was thinking that there was going to be a crash. So I'm, I'm real estate. At the time, I had 1,400 apartment units, 1,400 doors to my name. And I was trying to think of what should I do next? And my the coach, the main person on in that mastermind, his name's Sean McCloskey, and he goes, he goes, bro, you've helped so many people in this room with their podcast. I think you should, like, you seem passionate about it. You seem like you love it. The people that you've helped have told me that they're they're ranking now in the top 1% of the world. And just because you gave them a few tips and tricks, like, I think if, since you're so passionate about it, you should start that. So in 2019, a little over three years ago from the time we're recording, like three and a half years ago, I ended up launching my podcast company and, and just trying to help other people. And it started with like four clients, not not a big deal, four clients and two employees. And it's grown to almost 70 clients and 37 employees. And we're just loving it. We're rocking and rolling. So that kind of shows you how did I get into podcasting and helping other podcasters? Oh, wow. So the, the podcast that you sold, that was the real estate one? Yep. Yeah, it's called Creative Real Estate. Okay. And so, yeah, I've never heard of someone selling a podcast before. So basically, they just take it over at that point. Like all your old episodes with you, I imagine, are still there. And then how they're the new host, I guess, or how does that work? Yeah, in short, because there's a lot of detail that can be part of this, but I'm trying to give the shortest amount to start with. I ended up selling to a guy named Jason. The way that Jason and I worked it out is I had a lot of extra content in the bank, if you will. So I had a savings account. Like we were supposed to have six months of savings or a year of savings or three months of savings in our financial fiscal life. In my podcast life, I had, you know, six months of savings. I, I had six months of extra content ready to go. And I believe in that now. Today, I only have four months of extra content already recorded. But I believe in having, you know, at least a couple of months of of banked episodes. And so as we were transitioning and I sold it over to Jason, one of the benefits is I said, look, I've got all this content. So if you aren't able to record something, we, we can just put it out. So that's one thing. Another thing is I started by interviewing Jason, basically just interviewed him on the podcast and got his story out to my listener who, who loved me and followed me. There's 3,500 people downloaded every single episode. Then not a huge podcast, obviously, but there was 3,500 people that believed in Adam Adams, Adam Triple A Adams. They believed in me. They they followed me. They wanted to do the things that I did, and I didn't want to let them down by abruptly tomorrow. It just has a totally different host. Like I didn't feel good about that. I I believed that they would be offended. I believed that they would be like, I don't know this guy from Adam. Ha 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 ha. That's a joke. <laughs> I, I don't know this guy from Adam. And and so I'm just going to stop listening. Adam let me down. He got this other guy. He never told me what was up. So step one was really me interviewing Jason, getting his story, showing how creative he was, because the podcast was called Creative Real Estate, showing how creative he was, all the different ways that he's done deals and throughout his years and been able to build up to a multimillion dollar portfolio personally and he's even flipping airplanes and stuff. Like, how creative is this guy? And so we, we have that interview. And then I have a, a podcast episode where I say, I'm bringing on a co-host. It's Jason. 
Go listen to the episode number. I don't know. It was probably like episode 550. I don't know. Uh, there was a lot of episodes at the time. Go and listen to this episode where I interview him so you can get to know who's going to be my new co-host. Write that down. Then the next step was obviously we changed the intro and we changed the introduction of the podcast. What I did is I kept the same music and I kept the same voiceover artist and we had the copy or the script that she would recite for the intro. We kept most of that the same, but instead of it's sponsored by Adam's company website, here's your host, Adam. It says, this is sponsored by Jason's company website, and here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. And so that was like the next step to it, is making it as streamlined as possible, as congruent. I didn't want too much to change, right? We're doing that, and then I, as part of the contract, we had to write a contract for him to get all of the assets. So basically, this is another step that your listener would need to know if they ever sold a podcast. All of the websites, all of the domains that I owned, the Facebook group that I owned, the podcast itself, the content that I had produced over the last three years before that, all of those things, or two years, whatever it was, all of those things were now his. He owned them, and he could do whatever he wants with them. So we put that in, and then we promised that I would co-host with him for 12 episodes. In hindsight... 12 doesn't seem like a lot to me anymore. 12 does not seem like a lot at all. At the time, I'm thinking, man, I'm so generous. I can't believe I'm doing 12 whole entire episodes co-hosting with this guy. I'm a good person. Uh, this is over the top. This is above and beyond what I would ever need to do. I honestly think that we probably should have done much more episodes than that. I think that the more co-hosting would be better. Another thing about this transition to selling the podcast that we kind of did is... He kept all that content. He was producing his own content. And we kind of cycled in when he missed one. I would put one of mine. And it would basically say, that here's your host, Adam and Jason. And finally, the outro and all the ads. Anytime that there was an ad or an outro, because he became he was starting to not co-host with me, you know, after the 12 episodes that I promised him, he was hosting a lot of his own. So I had dozens of episodes for like six months of content ready to go but he was doing his own so really after the 12 it was either him or me it wasn't both of us at the same time so he would say this is your co-host adam's not here something like that today it's been over three years since we sold this and my face is still on the artwork as of the day that we're recording this anyway the intro still says here's your host adam and jason but it's just always Jason being the host now. All of those other episodes that I recorded are gone. And I'm trying to think if there's any other detail. Uh, if you have any questions, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. There's nothing about this transaction that had a do not disclose. That's awesome. I love that you had like a strategy to kind of seamlessly wasn't a big adjustment for the listeners because they were getting used to Jason being part of the show. And so, yeah. So when you said the episodes, so the, your solo episodes then in the beginning, those were taken down? Is that what you were saying? No, they weren't taken down. Yeah. On most of the podcast playing platforms, they'll only show 300 at a time uh, or 100, yeah. depends on which platform. And so no, nothing has ever been taken down. However, on many of the platforms, it might only have, you know, like episodes 
350 to 650 up right now, you know, or episodes 550 to 650, depending on whichever platform, because they don't always want to show like a thousand episodes. We only have like 650 or so, but they don't. I'm just saying that the platforms themselves limit, usually limit how many of those episodes can show up. And so, no, we haven't taken any down, uh, but they might not be showing today. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I was kind of confused there, but okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. That's awesome. So yeah, if anyone, I might need to do a whole episode on this sometime because I wanted to get into the your 535 system. But yeah, I mean, maybe we could do another episode sometime on just the process of Happy selling, to. Selling, selling a podcast. Sure. So with the 535, that is a system that you've created. And I first found it on PodPros, which is Alex Sanfilippo. He's the owner of PodMatch. And he has this quarterly event called Pod Pros, and you were one of the guest speakers. And I just really loved your presentation and was hoping that you would share those tips on this show. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So can I start by saying, if you're listening to this and you're a, if you are a scrappy entrepreneur, if you are getting this done in the most frugal fashion, having a podcast could really help you. So let me just start by letting you know, if you're trying to be a, a frugal entrepreneur, a fr- say say it, what's a frugal, frugalpreneur? Frugalpreneur, uh-huh. Okay, I'm saying it right, perfect. If that's what you're, if you're listening and that's you and you want to be that, having a podcast can really help. So that's a good way to start. Like you should have a podcast. Now, when we talk about the 535 method, it is a way, a way to grow a podcast. And I think it's a kind of less expensive way to grow a podcast. Now, you can run this yourself. You can do the 535 method to grow your own podcast, or you can do what I'm doing. And I actually have a team doing it for me. So, virtual assistants from the Philippines doing all of this stuff. So what is the 535 method? It is a unique way of of advertising. It can work for a podcast or most of it. So I was on John Lee Dumas' Entrepreneurs on Fire. And when I was on there, it was hit the name of the episode, I think was do this unique marketing method, something like that. And as I was on JLD's podcast, what we were really talking about was that this works with anything, not just podcasting, anything that you want to grow. Now, we gave a couple of examples, like you could grow, you could get more butts in seats if you're hosting events by using the 535 method. You could get more podcast listeners if you have a show so that you can help more people, make more money, leave a bigger impact and influence in the world by using the 535 method or whatever your business is. Whoever you serve, or I guess it's whomever you serve, you can use the 535 method to kind of grow that. So let's just jump in now that you know it will be relevant to you regardless of what you're doing. The first five things are more more for podcasts and then the, the, the three is for everybody and the next five is for everybody. So just know that. With a podcast, you've got to figure out if you've got a different company, you've got to figure out what are the most important things that you could do. That's your five, whatever those are. For podcasting, it is that we want people to subscribe to a podcast or follow it. Then we want them to listen to, download the episodes, this is number two. Then we want them to listen to the episodes that they have downloaded. 
So they spent the time to download the episode. Now they got to actually listen to it because you're not going to get anything if they don't listen. The fourth one is that they that they rate and review your show. And the fifth one is that they keep coming back to the show. So these are the goals if you want to grow a podcast. And all four, all five of them combined trigger algorithms. That's the big thing. Whatever you're doing, you want to make sure your first five, whatever it is, if it's for your podcast, make sure that there's a purpose behind it, that there's an intention. Why are you doing this? So for us, we realize that if somebody subscribes to a show or follows a show, you get credit for things and it automatically would download. When they download, you get some credit for it. Interestingly enough, if they don't listen, then it can work against you in the algorithm. That's the sad part. If if people are buying like fake downloads, for example, which a lot of podcasters do, if they're buying like fake downloads, then you will get shadow banned. It'll block you. And now other people can't find you anymore. When you get these downloads, they have an algorithm that sees if they're actually listening. It sees how many IP addresses it comes from. Maybe it's the same address, just downloading the same episode a hundred times in a row, or you know, a thousand times in a row or whatever. And so you want to make sure that they're actually listening. That's so critical. So when we do Facebook ads, when we do banner ads, when we do email campaigns, when we do all of these other types of forms of advertising, we never know if those people are just going to download and never listen. So that's why the 535 method works, because we're talking in a second. I'm going to give you a hint. We're going to be talking about private messaging individuals. So with podcasting, third thing after the subscribe and li- and download, the third thing is that you want them to listen. Because if they actually are downloading it and playing the episode, now it, instead of working against you, it works for you. And so it's benefiting you and it's showing that you are actually getting good traction on your podcast. And so we use the three and the five, the next three and five that we'll talk about, to make sure that we can get those people to actually listen to the podcast instead of just download it. Fourth, we want to make sure that they're going to rate and review because that social proofing is beneficial. Maybe not always for the algorithms, but the social proofing, if you've got, let's just say you only have like 25 people that have given you social proof that said that they liked it. So you go to Apple you look to see how many people have rated or reviewed this show and it's 10 or 20 or 30, it's not going to show as well. It's not going to show up as well. But if you have like 100 or 200 or 300, for example, instead of 10, 20, 30, now people are like, people give a crap about the show. And that social proofing benefits you to gain more listeners because those listeners see that other people have liked it. And I just want to mention like Amazon, There are three reasons why I love being on Amazon. Number one, I like shopping in my underwear. It's kind of cool that I I don't have to put on clothes. Number two, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to drive. I don't have to spend gas, which I guess is expensive these days. So I don't have to pay for the gas. I, I can literally do it from home. And that's pretty awesome. But the most important, the thing that I love the most about using Amazon when I go shopping for a new shirt or some new shoes or a new computer or a new microphone for my podcast. One thing I like about it is there's a whole bunch of ratings and reviews. I would never ever buy something that had, let's just say 20 five-star ratings. I would never buy it because it's only 20. But if it was a, if it was a four-star rating or four and a half stars and 
a thousand people looked at that and and used it and and gave their social proofing i actually say this has weight this has credibility it might only be a four and a half versus the five but it's more likely that these are there that more of them are a real rating and review because there's so many and so that social proofing makes me feel comfortable to buy that product and so the fourth thing in the 535 method the 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 fourth part of the first five which is ratings and reviews maybe it doesn't trigger the algorithm some people say it does some people say most people say it doesn't but apple's not going to publish what is part of their algorithm if they did then we would all just simply follow that and and cheat the system too much and so we don't know if it does or doesn't but i don't care because i know that the ratings and reviews benefit the podcast somehow because of social proofing number five is we want those people to come back. So now we're just talking about how do we do this? We're talking about private messaging. So what are the middle three? The middle three are the three places that we go to find our perfect avatar. And you can do this just like I was when I was on JLD's podcast talking about try this marketing method. The three is we want to go to three different social media platforms that are not being too much used, right? At least right now. Now I'm gonna publish this. You're gonna publish this, Sarah. It's gonna go out to your listener. And a lot of them are going to try it because it's a really good method. And so maybe it's going to grow and grow and grow. Who knows? What uh, The point is, we use three different social media platforms. Write them down if you'd like to. It is Facebook.com, Meetup.com. Now, some people don't know what Meetup is. I think everybody knows Facebook. But Meetup.com is a little bit different. It's a place where people meet in real life. And they're all over the world. Literally, I, once I was speaking at the meetup headquarters out in Manhattan, like close to their where their headquarters are, they flew me out to speak. And when I was there, I learned that there was 225,000. This is back in 2018, by the way, long time ago. They had 225,000 meetups throughout the world. And I was meeting people from India, from Canada, from a few different English-speaking countries. And it was, I know India is not, English speaking, but they are English speaking. They all know English really well. So everybody that came would be able to understand. And so they basically threw out 300 invitations. Six of us got to be speakers, but throughout the 225,000. So I learned a lot about Meetup and what it does. And it's meeting in real life and they're all over. And I used to use the Meetup as a private message place to grow my own Meetup just to connect with people. What we started doing for our clients, like to grow their podcast, for example, is I got my team to log into a, a meetup profile. And then what they'll do is they'll go and find different groups that have the avatar of our client. Let's just say our client is a podcaster and they want a certain listener. And so we go and find listeners like that throughout the country or throughout other countries because meetups in, I think it's like 40 countries or 43 countries. So out of 225,000 meetups, we got a lot of choices. There's millions of users throughout the world, honestly. So we go in and we, we become a member of that meetup group. First, we become a member, and then you can filter out the membership to the people that have been to an event or been to a, or logged into that meetup the most recently. And so you've got, you can kind of see who's more active there. You can see who went to how many how many they went to. You can see their comments in many cases if they've made comments. You can basically filter it out to the ones that have been there the most recently. And what we end up doing is, is connecting with them 
and sharing some information. That's the last five that I'll share in, in a minute. That's going to be really important. If you do the private message campaign, you've got to remember the last five. If you do it without the last five, you will lose the game. I promise. This is why there's so many people doing private messaging right now and they're being flagged as spam. You, the listener, I 100% know that on these three platforms, well, at least one or two of them, if you're on LinkedIn, you're getting private salesy emails and you flag them as spam. LinkedIn, Meetup, and Facebook are the three that we use. LinkedIn, Meetup, and Facebook. It's just that we do them completely differently. And that's you're going to want to stay with us because if you're going to do this, you have to know the last five. So the places that we go, Meetup, LinkedIn, and Facebook, Facebook, Meetup, and LinkedIn. And we private message people. So on Facebook, we go to our Facebook groups and we filter it out just a similar way. We go to groups where, where our client's listener, perfect listener, is hanging out. We, and we start private messaging in the way that I'm about to share with you. Same thing on Meetup. Same thing on LinkedIn. We can go to groups and we can filter on LinkedIn in many other ways. You don't even have to go to the groups. You can just say, I want IT professionals. I want CPAs. I want doctors. I want attorneys. I want business owners. I want podcasters. Whatever it is. So for me in my business, I serve podcasters. So when I'm connecting with people, when my team connects with people for me, we go, all we do on LinkedIn is we search for people that say they're, that in their title that they're a podcaster. That's all we do. If they, if we, we search for that and we can go throughout the whole United States if we want to, but we might start with Texas podcaster. Somebody who lives in Texas will filter it that way and they say podcaster. And now we start reaching out to all of them and private messaging them with a uh, unique message that says, hey, I, I, I noticed that you're from Texas. That's awesome. A great place. And you have a podcast? Tell me about that, question mark. That might be our first uh, outreach to them. And then we start connections, start a conversation with them that's really feeling organic. Remember, I said, notice you're in Texas. You got a podcast. Tell me about your podcast. Did we say... Hey, my name's Adam Adams. This is my name, my phone number, my email. This is my the link to my podcast. You should check out my podcast. Did we, did we have all that spammy crap? No, we did not. We just said, this is cool. I noticed this personal thing about you. And you know, tell me more. And now we're basically pulling on their heartstrings because they want to, everybody wants to talk about their podcast. They get excited. They're like, oh yeah, my podcast does this. It serves these type of people. It's for, it's for entrepreneurs that bootstrap. It's for podcasters that want to have a better show, whatever. And so we do those things. But now I'm going to share the last five. If you're ready, Sarah, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. All right. Just making sure. Um, so the last five are the way that we do the private messages. We've already talked about our goals and you figure out your own goals for whatever you're promoting for the five. And we already talked about the places that we go to find the avatar. That's the three. And now we're going to be talking about the last five which is how you do all this. Like, what is the mindset? How are we not getting flagged as spam? How are we actually getting people to listen to these podcasts and grow the audiences because of it? The last five is the tips and tricks and strategies that you have to use if you utilize private message campaign. So we talked about this on JLD's show on these last five. What are they? And I'm going to share them with them. They are, you have to be, it has to be personal. So first and foremost, write that down. It's got to be personal. I'm, I'm actually going to make sure that I have it in front of me too. So I'm writing it down. Personal. Uh, so these are personal message. It has to be personalized. Uh, basically what that means is 
if you are using some type of message where it's just copy and paste, first and foremost on Facebook and LinkedIn, after a few of those, you're going to get flagged because it's just copy and paste. On Meetup, it's actually when you are DMing people on meetup.com, it's actually worse. You cannot have two messages back to back that are the same thing. And so that's why it's so important to have it personalized because A, you'll get flagged as spam if it's not personalized. If it's just copy and paste, then you're then any of these platforms eventually will flag you as spam and meetup's the worst. So how to personalize is I noticed that you're in Texas. I noticed that you just launched a podcast. I noticed that you that you just did your first real estate deal. I noticed that you just did a wholesale deal. I noticed that you just you just closed on your first house. Whatever it is, you, it'll be personalized. Oh, or you you might even say, "Man, that picture of your kids is so flipping cute." You might even say something like that. Uh, depending on which platform, especially Facebook, you could easily do that. That that picture of you and your kids so flipping cute. And now and now you just go to the other stuff. So how do you get the personalized? This is important. To get to the personalized, you have to study the person. Everybody's thinking, oh, I want to be as fast as possible. Oh, I'm just going to copy and paste and paste and paste and paste and paste over and over and over. But that doesn't work. You actually have to read the profile, learn about them, look at their pictures, see what they're into. Hey, it looks like you're into mountain biking. Me too. I'm headed to Moab this year to go jeeping and mountain biking. So that's the personalized part. Is talking about the things that they're that are important to them, their kids, their the deal that they just closed, etc. So personalize. That's the first of five. The next one is no links, no links. Oh, on one second, I need to write the third one short. All right, the second one is no links. Here's the problem: when other people are DMing you on those platforms, and they send you their link to their calendar, or they send you the link to your their website, or they send you the link to their podcast. What do you think? I know that 95% of you, 90, I'm, I'm confident that 95% of you, you're listening right now. There's only a 5% chance that you're going to entertain that question, when, when that, that DM, that private message. They PM you and they say, here's a link to my podcast, check it out. And you're like a spam alert. Oh my gosh, I'm not, I don't want to listen to this. This is the, who, who is this person to just shove their podcast down my throat or whatever it is. So when you send a link to those people, they get turned off. I always say no links quote, and then I finish it off without permission, no links without permission. And what that basically means is if you are going to send a link to a podcast or what, or your company or whatever you want to grow, your meetup group, whatever you want to grow, you will only send a link to it if the person asks. So how do you do that? So in number two, no links without permission, you basically say, hey, I came up with, I, I found an episode that might be good for you. Do you want me to send you the link? And if they say, yeah, send it over, then you say, okay, here's the link you wanted. Here's the link you asked for. Here it is because they've asked for it. It's like, and I'm just going to, not everybody's like this, but I think your listener will relate. I meet somebody. For me, I'm more into uh, into women than men. I'll just say that much. But uh, I meet somebody. For me, it's it's a woman. And I like them. And I just pull her face in and I start kissing them. Sometimes I'm going to get slapped. I might get a little bit slapped. 
or if I get down on my knee and, and try to ask for a proposal, I might get a weird look and they might never talk to me again. So the point of this is what we're going into is, is being, it basically slow play. That's the term is, is slow play. And so if I go in and I just send a leak immediately, they're going to get offended. I'm going to get virtually slapped. Okay. They're not going to like it. Sometimes, sometimes when you're with that, that person, you will basically say, can I kiss you or come kiss me? And then you'll get like that permission. And that's what we do with these links. No links without permission. You've got to ask for the permission. You've got to be a gentleman or a gentlewoman as you are going for the kiss. Sometimes that's going to provide that this relationship lasts a little bit longer because you're not offending them or going too fast for them. And that's what happens when you send a link immediately. They're like, whoa, I don't even know you, man. I don't even know who you are. I haven't gotten to know you. Why are you sending me this link? That's a very invasive, you're in my bubble. I wasn't ready for that. So you want to say, hey, can I send you the link? So the next thing that I'll say is slow play. Number three, number three out of the final five is slow play. Just like we're talking about for all this other stuff, you don't, you don't, well, most people don't go to a bar and say, I'm attracted to you. We should be married. Let's have some babies together. Like you just don't go straight into that. And I think a lot of people, uh, they, they feel like the strength is in numbers and they're just going to DM a bunch of people and maybe two out of a thousand are going to do something. I want real relationships. It's like not trying to, to just jump into things, but let's have a real relationship. Let's actually be connected well. And so when we slow play, it means that we get to know that person before we ask for anything else. We already talked about personalized. We already talked about not sending links. Now let's talk about just slow play. Let's court that individual and over time then send it. And this is the hardest part, I think, for people when they use the 535 method to grow their business or their podcast. I think this is the hardest part because we don't have patience, especially as entrepreneurs. Oftentimes we want everything done yesterday. We don't have the patience to just sit there and, and hope for it. We want to become millionaires overnight. We want our business to be like, go from zero to hero. It, but things don't work that way. Real relationships don't work that way. You can't force them. And so you want to slow play. You want to court them. You want to, you want to be polite. You want to be friendly. You maybe want to, to comment on their shoes. I like your blouse. Those are great shoes. Where did you get them? I like, oh, you drove in on that Jeep. That's yours. That's nice. I have a Jeep as well or whatever you want to. I did a mission once we call this BRT, build a relationship of trust. And that comes with having things in common and sharing the commonality. And you do that on these DMs with the, with all of these different perfect avatars for your show, or like my company does when we serve other podcasters, we do it on as a third party. And then we eventually talk about their show, but not immediately, not immediately. First, we have a relationship. The fourth thing that I will share out of the last five. The fourth part of it is it's short and sweet. And what all that means it most people that do these DM campaigns, they want to give all of the information at once. And we understand and we know that once that happens, when, when somebody just gives us all of the things, it feels like spam. Again, it, it feels like it's not personal. If it, it, it kind of feels like they're sending leaks when we're not ready. It's not being slow play. They're just trying to force something. It's, it's not comfortable. 
And so short and sweet, let's go back to whatever I said before, which was something like, hey, I noticed that you did your first wholesale deal. That's awesome. I'd love to talk to you more about that. How did you get into it? Question mark. So this is short and sweet. It's not, my name is this. This is everything about me. Here's all my links. Here's all my websites. Here's my intention. Here's everything that I can do to serve you. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about having it be a sentence and a question, which brings me to the fifth thing is questions. Ask, don't tell. And so just if you're listening and you want to do these DM campaigns, I want you to know that you're going to get a different result if you tell somebody something versus if you ask somebody something. Think of it like this. We are all magnets. Every single one of us. You are listening and you are a magnet. A magnet can be good and bad. We've got a north side and we've got a south side. If we go way back into history, let's just go way back into history, then we will remember that many people used to, the best sales people were the forceful ones. They were the pluses, okay? The best sales people back then because most of us were a little bit more passive and kind and, and we weren't jaded and we weren't tainted by being sold stuff that we didn't want at the time. And so we were more passive. We were all showing our negative side. Our, we were all showing our, our north and south, right? We were showing the south side. And when somebody came in with a lot of confidence and they were louder than us and they, and they, want, and they told us to buy something, we were like, okay, we should buy it. Because that's where we were in the 1800s and 19, early 1900s. We were like passive and it was a good fit though. It was a good fit because that was their plus side and that's our minus side. And what happens when you got a plus to a minus on the magnets? They click together so good. But if you turn one of them around, it doesn't matter. If it's two negatives, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pull apart. If it's too positive, it's going to pull apart. So... Us as consumers, you the listener right now, us as consumers, we got smart. We don't want to be sold anymore. We might want to buy, but we don't want to be sold. We don't want somebody to come after us. And so we switched our magnets since the early 1900s. Now in the late 1900s and even the middle of the 2000s now, or we're still in the first quarter of it as we're recording. And in these first quarter of the 2000, you know, 2022, 2023, 2024, the thing that we're showing is the plus. So now we go to the, we go to the, we go to the car lot. We want to buy a car and somebody comes up to us. They're like, how can I help you? And you burst out, nothing. I don't need your help. I'm not, I'm just here looking. We go into the clothing shop. We obviously want to wear, buy a new shirt and a new pair of pants. We go to the shoe store. We want to buy some shoes. But as soon as that salesperson comes up and says, how can I help you? You always say, because you you got your plus side forward, we always say, nope, don't need help. Just looking. I'm fine. No, thank you. And it's because we are jaded. We're afraid. We've been tainted by all these other salespeople that sold us. And it's just not working anymore. And so as you have your podcast, and we're talking about the fifth of these things is asking questions. What's interesting is, if you come and you tell somebody something in these DMs, if you go and tell them, what's going to end up happening is they're going to think, whoa, 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 this person's coming at me. And they got their plus side uh, face forward. And now you've got your plus, uh, plus side face forward. And all you're going to do is repel from each other. 
You're just going to push that person farther back because you're coming at them because you're telling them stuff that instead what you got to do is you got to turn around. You got to turn your magnet around. You got to face the other way and you got to ask questions. You got to ask them things about themselves. And what that ends up doing is they are attracted to you now. And so in these DMs, instead of being like, I'm this person and I can help you with this, you just say, ask a question. How did you get started in real estate? Hey, I noticed that you started a, a business. So you're an entrepreneur. How'd you, how did you get started? What's your business? Tell me more about that. And now you're pulling them in because you've turned around your magnet. You're pulling them in. You're not being forceful. And now you you fit together. And so this is, uh, here's the here's the five, three, five method. In, in a nutshell, mostly the first five are for the podcast. So if you're doing any business, but you want to grow it the same way, you just switch the first five out to whatever your goals are, however, it's going to trigger algorithm, algorithms for you, however, it's going to help you get your client, whatever. So first five, we want people to subscribe to the show, download the show, listen to the show, rate and review the show, and keep coming back to the show. The three, we go to these three platforms. Facebook, Meetup, and LinkedIn. The five is we want every message to be personalized. We never want to send links without permission. We want to slow play so we don't get slapped. We want it to be short and sweet instead of long and overwhelming. And we want to use questions instead of telling. Ask, don't tell. And in order to get, if it's for growing a podcast, how do we do those things with those things? How do we do the first five? How do we accomplish the first five with the three and the last five? How do we do that? Well, we get people to subscribe to a show by eventually, again, slow play, eventually telling them, hey, there's a, a podcast you should check out. There's a podcast would be good for you. And we get them to download it by asking them to check it out. Let me know what you think. And so they go and download a bunch of episodes and we get them to listen because we said, let me know what you think. Here's the episode you, you asked for. Take, take a look at it. And let me know your thoughts. And because we're asking that, now they're more inclined to actually listen because now they're being held accountable to the content because they know that they've got to tell you something. So they go and listen on their own instead of what would normally happen. If you didn't ask them that, then they would never, they, they, then would you say, oh, okay, I'll get to this. I'll get to this because all of us have good intentions. Like that person probably wanted to, they probably would have, but they're going to be busy with their kids, with their job with their entrepreneurship, uh, with starting their podcast, they're going to be busy somehow in their life because of something, travels, whatever, school, whatever, work, whatever. And so uh, we get them to actually listen by asking them, telling them that we're going to hold them accountable. I'll follow up with you when you're done and uh, let me know what you think. We get them to rate and review because we asked, let me know what you think. And then when they come back and, and they actually answer us, not all of them are going to answer. Not all of them. You, you lose some every step of the way. But a few of them are going to say, man, that was a really impactful podcast episode. Thank you for sharing it with me. And then we go back and we get them to rate and review by saying, wow, that was really a kind thing that you said about that podcast. I bet you the host, let's just call it Sarah St. John. I bet you the host would be thrilled if all you did is copied and pasted what you just told me and put it in as a review, a written review of her podcast. I bet she would be thrilled if you did that. Now, we don't say, I know she would be. We don't say she would be. We don't say you should do this. We just say, man, if, if you feel that way, if you feel the way that you do about that show, you should just copy and paste what you told me and use it and 
to give her a rating and review because that was some beautiful words that you shared. And so some of the benefits here is if you're growing a podcast, some of the benefits here is that person on the other end is thinking it, it wouldn't be hard for me to just copy and paste. He's not asking me to just write a new review. He's saying that that what I already said was good enough. And so it it makes it sound and feel, and it literally is easy for them to copy and paste that and go to that other place. So these are some takeaways that you gotta you gotta be understanding. That's how we get the fourth thing, which was ratings and reviews, is we we basically say you've already said the good thing, just paste it. And then the fifth thing, which was to get them to keep coming back, because this triggers algorithms for podcasts. The way we do this within our DM campaign is later on we we will hear another episode that comes out. It just comes out today. And then we'll say something like, man, did you hear the last episode on Sarah's podcast with Adam Adams? That was epic. You should check it out. And so we get that listener, the person who's already done the first four, to come back to the show again. And when you have repeat listeners on podcasts, it triggers algorithms that grows your audience and helps them push you in front of the most amount of people because they say, Sarah St. John podcast keeps people on our platform and podcasting. The whole reason that they have it is they want attention. They're trying to get the most amount of people to stay on the platform. So if they see that your listener, the Sarah St. John's listener, if they see that her listener is coming back to the podcast again and again, because we keep telling them, Hey, you should listen to a new one. Hey, you should listen to a new one every couple of weeks, every month or two. Then what's going to end up happening is going to trigger some algorithms that they're saying, man, these people keep coming back. I think we should basically push Sarah in front of more people. And so it ends up growing her audience, growing her rankings, and it gives her more results. That is a genius method. I just love it. And, uh, you know, some people were maybe taking notes, but if people are driving or whatever and they can't, I'm definitely going to, you know, list all these steps out in the show notes so you don't have to worry about remembering them. There were a couple things you mentioned that I had questions on or a comment. That very last one I had a comment on, I think that's the whole being salesy thing and like the magnet thing and everything. I think also in addition to that, with the whole like asking a question thing versus telling, ask, don't tell. Is that, yeah, ask, don't tell. Kind of reminds me. Of yeah, exactly. Kind of reminds me of the whole don't ask. Don't. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's all. There's Yeah, I get it. But yeah, when you're telling somebody something, it feels more like it's all about them. But when you ask somebody something, you're showing interest in them. So I think that's also another thing that makes that work better is because yeah, people people like dance. Yeah, and it's hard. Hundred percent. I'm hundred percent with you. And also, not only that, but not only do they like to talk about themselves, not only does it make it less about you and more about them, but additionally, it's really hard to ignore a question. Human psychology really has us. It's called a pattern interrupt. This is like the technical psychological term. A pattern interrupt is anything that makes us stop. You see like the all the rubberneckers that talk about like when we're passing an accident. It's the mundane things that you see all the time that don't interrupt your pattern. And so you don't see it all accidents all the time. You're always curious. It's always going to incite your curiosity. Just anything random is going to be a pattern interrupt. But what's cool about questions versus comments 
is questions make us think. It is a literal pattern interrupt. It makes us go from the mundane that we ignore. I oftentimes, I'm driving down the road and I will say to myself, I don't know what happened over the last 10 minutes. I can't believe I'm still on the road because I don't think I was paying attention to driving at all this whole time. But if you see something, if you see a deer running across the street, then you you get out of the mundane. What is the word for it? Like the autopilot? You get out of the autopilot and then you get into focus mode. And so anything like a statistic, 80% of these people do this. You you It's a pattern interrupt. You're like, wait, what? Okay, 80% and you start to think about that. You start to say it in your head. And that's why people can recite statistics so well is because it was a pattern interrupt. You don't know everything that happens unless somebody swerves in front of you, unless a deer friends it runs in front of you, unless you see something you're not used to seeing. Maybe you see a rainbow. Now you're you're into something that's different, and so you're paying attention. Maybe it's rainy. You're going to remember that. So when people ask questions, most people are telling. So you only have a small subsect of people that are asking, that are showing those that interest, and it makes your brain stop what it's doing and focus on this new new thing. So it's, I think that's a really important part. Yeah. And then I had a question or two about the first five. One question I have is you said, you know, some people think that rating and reviews are positive for your algorithm. Some people say it doesn't do anything. When it, so this question might be irrelevant then if it doesn't do anything. But my, I'm just wondering, you know, it's a lot easier for someone to rate than review. Like anyone could just tap the five star or whatever. I mean, do you know if just simply rating and not even reviewing if that's good enough for some like i'm just trying to think like i don't know i don't know the actual answer to be honest i don't i don't know the answer because um they don't publish like their algorithm and so we have to just basically do our best to deduce what's happening what's going on and so i can only speak from a place of uh, experience and opinion but not from a fact or a, a, a direct knowledge of what they are doing and to, to answer your question i don't believe that it's it's i don't believe that it's going to be as impactful in any way i think that the written review are going to be a lot more impactful both on the algorithm i assume both on the algorithm side but definitely on the social proofing side like for example if i go to somebody's podcast and they have seven thousand five-star reviews I mean, excuse me, let me say that again. 7,000 five-star ratings. And the last review was two years ago. I'm, I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to look at the reviews and I'm going to see that it was two years ago. I'm going to ignore it. Here's some things that I do believe that I've, I've seen and understand is that if you have a review that is not quite authentic. So for example, some people pay for written reviews and it says, great podcast, you should listen, or I love this podcast, I love this show, but it's like one-liners, one and in many cases, it's like when you, you pay for like 30 of these fake reviews or whatever, and it's like, great show, must listen, and then the next one is great show, must listen, and then the next one is great show, must listen, uh, because they, that's just how they'll do it. What ends up happening when they have reviews like that is Apple will pull them down. Apple will notice them. They don't always notice them right away, but they will eventually notice them and then they shadow ban you. So you don't want to do that. You don't want anything like that. 
So you want the reviews to actually be authentic reviews, like from different people um, that have listened to the podcast. And if they are talking about, oh, I love this episode because of this, or if they're talking about, I love this podcast because of how Sarah asked such great questions, poignant questions, questions that help me. If they're talking about like specific things like that, it will definitely be better than not better, at least because they're not going to rip them off. They're not, I mean, they're not going to take them down. And so if they're authentic reviews, it's going to be a lot better in my rec, in my experience is going to work a lot better for you. Um, and so then, then we go to another obvious question. Uh, well, this is an actual person that actually listened to my podcast or this is an actual person. Um, it's not a robot or, or some fake account or something. If, if it's your mom and she says, I just love my daughter. I don't know if that's how your mom sounds. I'm sorry. If it's your mom and she's like, I just love my daughter. She's such a great woman. I think she should blah, 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 blah. And you should listen to her podcast because she's just a wonderful highlight of my life. If it's about you, but not about your podcast, it's not, it's not authentic. It's, it's, a, it's actually a person. It's actually your mom. She's actually saying what she feels about you, but it's not what she feels about the podcast or the content that the podcast is getting. I believe that those get taken down too. I've, I've seen it many, many times when somebody goes, oh, I met Adam Adams at an event and he just spoke so well. You should listen to his podcast. It gets taken down because it's like this is about Adam and speaking at a conference. It's not about the at the podcast on podcasting. It's not about the podcast on podcasting. It's about Adam personally. Or um, I've known Adam for seven years. You should listen to his podcast. That's that has nothing to do with the podcast. It says the word podcast, but it has not, only everything to do with uh, Adam. You know, this one person. It doesn't have anything to do with the show or the content of the show. And so I just, I believe that the, the reviews are going to be much better than the ratings, but we want to make sure that the reviews are real, uh, that they're authentic, that it's because they listen to a certain episode or that they listen to a lot of episodes. It's about the show, not about the person, not about the integrity of the person, not about your coaching program. Oh, I'm one of John's students. Uh, I've been taking from him for three years and I did my first real estate deal. Uh, you should listen to his podcast because he's the real deal. It's going to get taken down. It's not a it's not a review about the podcast. It's a review about the coaching program, about the, the person. We don't want that. That's not where we're going with this. So just notice that if you ever ask your mom or your coaching client to give you a review of the podcast, tell them to listen to an episode or two of the show and to give an authentic review about what they thought about the show and even say, not about me personally, but about the podcast. And I, I think those are going to be more relevant and held at a higher standard. I think they are. Again, the, the algorithms are not published for Apple, but I believe and I've, I've seen some evidence to show that when they are about the show versus about you personally or uh, blanket statements about this podcast is it. Uh, it'll work a lot better. Awesome. Yeah, those are some great bonus tips, and I'll include that in the show notes as well. The one last question I had about those first five, when you were talking about how if someone downloads an episode, but they don't listen to it, that that actually kind of goes against you. My question is, well, one, how did you discover that? Because that's I had never heard that before. And two, is there a time limit there? Because sometimes... People have it sent to auto-download, but then they might not listen to it for a month or whatever. So, yes, if they don't listen to it for, for a month and it's auto-downloaded, it's going to work against you. This is what I, we've we've noted time and time again. 
So we get a new, a brand new listener. Okay. Remember the five is, is to get somebody to subscribe or to follow the podcast. Uh, whether it's one of those people that we're advertising to through private message campaigns, or whether it's somebody that comes in because of a Facebook ad, or somebody that was told by Andy was listening to your show, uh, and Andy loved your show, and he and he told his his friend uh, Amanda, Andy's like Amanda, you got to check this out. Sarah St. John's podcast is so good, and I know you're on a tight budget as you're starting your new uh, floral business. You got to check it out. And so as Amanda goes and checks it out, when she's first subscribed, you're going to get credit for those downloads. It's going to benefit you. But if she waits three weeks and hasn't listened to any then it actually starts working against you automatically. So because it, she didn't ever show that interest and they are wondering if this is just a, a bot or this is just like one of those fictitious things and they're like, it doesn't, it doesn't look like she's actually getting the listenership. Uh, we got to compensate for what we, the benefit that she was, that Sarah was getting, for example, because of a man, uh, Andy's friend if, in this fictitious story. So if that person never listens, it's going to start working against you. And we want to think of it like we want that person to listen and then listen to multiple and give ratings reviews, like give social proofing and keep coming back even more. When that happens, that it triggers an algorithm for you instead of against you. Um, and it's, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that. Like all of the other types of advertising that my company will do, it's like we, we serve a lot of podcasters. We help the show host be be able to do uh, to grow their audience. We try different things. One of them is Facebook ads. One of them is Google ads. One of them is YouTube ads. One of them is email campaigns. There's so many things that we do for other people, but most of them, most of them are really good at getting the front end of stuff, getting more download uh, awareness. When you were on my show, you talked about Castro.fm and Spotify ads and Buzzsprout ads. We talked a little bit about those and your success of those. In many cases, maybe doing those is going to get you maybe, uh, let's call it, there are 25,000 impressions, but then only 110 of them, 113 of them, and uh, subscribing. And out of them, only 30 of them start listening. And out of them, only one of them keeps coming back. Some of these other types of advertising, like Facebook, it will get a lot of the top of the funnel. It'll get a lot of the awareness and the subscribers. But we aren't, it's too hard to control that they will actually listen. They'll actually rate and review. They'll actually come back. And so you're getting a bunch of the top of the funnel stuff. And some of those numbers, while you're advertising, some of those numbers are, how what's the word? They don't help you understand what's going on. Those numbers have give you a false sense of like, oh my gosh, I got 300 downloads per episode. That's great. You know, I got I'm I I got I got ten thousand downloads this month when last month I only got this. Well, if those people aren't coming back, then the the numbers are just a false sense of security. They're they're not really benefiting you. It looks kind of high because it's ten thousand or any other number. It looks kind of high compared to whatever you got last week. But if they're not listening, if they're not coming back, if they're not rating reviewing, if they're not hiring you as a consultant, for example then these are pointless numbers. They're, they're not helping me do anything. So the way that my team helps to improve that is by spending the extra time and money that it takes to use private message campaigns so that we can get more of those people to actually listen, actually rate and review, and actually keep coming back, if that helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that definitely helps. I Wow. 
I feel like this was like a master class. This wasn't just a regular episode. This was like <laughs> so, so many takeaways. And um, and again, I will have show notes listing out all of these different, the, the 535 and then the extra bonus tips that you kind of gave there as well at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash AAA, so triple A. Uh, and then if people want to check you out on what you, you're doing, your your podcast is Podcasts on Podcasting. And your website is growyourshow.com. But were there any other last thoughts that you wanted to share? Um, if your listener has a podcast or is about to start a podcast, thinking about doing one, one thing that I would share is to really be persistent and determined. Think of it as a long, drawn out like way of growing your business because some people dabble. I think, Sarah, when you were on my podcast and we talked about shiny objects, some people like want to just test a podcast, just try a podcast, see if it works for a couple of weeks, see if it works for a few months. This is not a way to launch any part of anything that you do. Don't be a dabbler. Dabblers get crushed. Get serious about it and think about it as a minimum. I won't let anyone work with my team unless they're committed to doing their podcast for three years. Now, that's not to say they have to pay my company for three years. It's just to say that if they're going to launch a podcast, I won't serve them unless they're looking at this as a long-term thing instead of a short-term thing. Don't dabble. Don't just try it out. Don't just have a podcast for a minute, put out six episodes, and then say this didn't ever work. If you're going to start it, think of it as I'm going to go and go and go, and you'll see uh, eventually uh, a bell curve where maybe in the beginning it's it's not making a ton of traction right up front. But if you keep going, you're going to strike gold instead of ending three feet from gold, if if you recognize that, that book, uh, Three Feet from Gold. You don't want to stop early before you even get the value. So that's what I would like to end with, is just to let the listener know, if, if this is a thing that they want to do, if you want to have a podcast, don't dabble in it, focus on it. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today and all the the value that you have provided my audience. I think we've got a lot of takeaways here. Um, I'm going to start implementing this system myself. Awesome. Love it. What a pleasure to be with you. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack. Connect with fellow listeners. Share your thoughts on episodes. Engage in meaningful discussions including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.